Today on the show, we've got another 24-7 Sports Summer Top 25 double feature as we take a dive into the second highest ranked teams in the Big 12 and the Pac-12. It's June 22nd. My name is Connor Tapp, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. 2017 was a bit of an odd year for the Stanford Cardinal. On the one hand, they won fewer than 10 games for just the third time since 2009. On the other hand, they came up just four points short of winning the Pac-12. What does 2018 have in store for the Cardinal? RJ Abadia of The Bootleg joins us now to preview Stanford's upcoming season. RJ, we've got Stanford at number 14 in our 24-7 Sports Summer Top 25. The Cardinal had the fourth highest standard deviation of any team in our poll, so it seems like our voters had a hard time figuring out where to put a team that they've grown so used to putting in the top 10, but that nevertheless finished unranked for just the second time in the past eight seasons last year. In the end, though, RJ, do you think 14 is an appropriate spot for the Cardinal to have ended up? Well, I I think that I think the standard deviation issues are pretty, pretty revealing and pretty appropriate. Um, I would say that that's, that's certainly within the, within the wheelhouse of opportunities. I'd also say that um, I think part of it is that this is, in many ways, one of the more imbalanced Stanford teams, certainly in the David Shaw era, in the sense that offensively we could be talking about a team that is pretty historic, at least with regards to Stanford um, on offense. And defensively, I think we're dealing with more questions and uncertainty than has ever been, than has ever been a part of a, of a David Shaw team. Last year, K.J. Costello wins the starting quarterback job as a redshirt freshman away from Keller Christ during the course of the season. And I know Costello missed spring ball with an injury. Is he expected to be ready to go on August 31st? And what is the expectation level for him entering his second season as a starter? He is expected to be ready to go. He's expected to be ready um, for the start of fall camp. I, they call it fall camp, even though it's in August. It never right. makes sense to me. But anyway, um, he is expected to be full go. Um, Davis Mills, who is his backup or slotted to be his backup, is also scheduled to be back in time for the majority of, of training camp. Um, as far as expectations for KJ, I think it's clearly time for him to take a step forward as the starting quarterback. Um, he, should, he should be playing or he should be able to get to an all-conference level um, when you factor in his talent the experience that he got last year and the fact that he's got maybe the best offensive situation in the entire conference. Um, There are no holes positionally to Stanford's offense this year. And that includes an offensive line that returns four starters. Um, The fifth guy likely to be Brandon Fanica, who is a guy who has had plenty of experience in his Stanford career. Um, So the, the table is set. Um, for KJ Costello, and and I would expect him to take a step forward this year as one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. Who are some other guys, whether because of injury or inexperience, haven't gotten much of the spotlight to this point in their career, but might have a chance to make a name for themselves in 2018? Well, offensively, I think you kind of start with JJ Arcega Whiteside, who you know it's not like he was an unknown quantity last year, um, but I, he, I don't think he quite got the recognition. That, uh, that maybe he deserved, certainly with Bryce Love having the year that he had. 
But um, as a receiver, he is outstanding. Um, just about any way you slice it, um, he's got the best hands on the team. He's the best deep threat on the team. Uh, he wins. Stanford loves to throw the ball. Uh, you know those jump ball fades that you know some fans can't really stand. He he tends to make those work better than most players. He wins most one on one battles. And thanks, I think, in part to his basketball background, but. Stanford hasn't had an all-conference wide receiver since the year 2000 with Zerani Pitts, and I think that streak ends this year with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And then the other guy on offense, I would say, is Caden Smith, the tight end who really emerged. He's, um, he's K.J. Costello's roommate, and I don't know how much of that factored into his emergence, but uh, Costello certainly looks comfortable throwing to him. He caught big touchdowns in the Cal game, the Notre Dame game, and the Pac-12 championship game. Um, and so I'd expect him to step up and, and be, be the best amongst a very talented group of Stanford tight ends. Uh, defensively, just so many question marks, but I think if you're looking for guys who could really step up, Joey Alfieri um, returns to his outside linebacker spot after what we'll call a, an experimental year on the inside. Um, his last year as an outside backer, he was second team all Pac-12, so I think returning there is going to set him up for a pretty good season uh, out there on the edge for the Cardinal. Um, losing Justin Reed and, and Quentin Meeks out of the secondary is, is a big deal, um, but there's certainly one guy, uh, Paulson Adebo, who's going to be a sophomore, um, redshirt freshman. Uh, he, he, he redshirted last year, although Stanford coaches have said repeatedly it was incredibly difficult to maintain that red shirt because of how well Adebo had been playing as the season moved on in practice and also how, how strapped Stanford was in the secondary injury wise. And then just the last guy I'll point out is uh, Gabe Reed, another uh, outside linebacker who had a really, really strong spring. And the coaches also singled him out pretty much all through the spring. So defensively, those are some guys who could kind of who could kind of step up and make the difference this year. South Point Casino has set the regular season over under win total for Stanford at eight. And RJ, I'm looking at this and thinking, since 2008, Stanford has only won fewer than eight games in the regular season one time. Is this free money here, or does Vegas know something I don't? You know, I think at this point in the season, when we know so little about what their defense is actually going to look like, and when you factor in the schedule Stanford has a really extreme schedule flip where in the even years it is very road heavy in terms of their biggest game the odd years it's the opposite so this year you're talking about going to South Bend you're talking about going to Seattle going to Eugene um, among other places and you add all that up and the uncertainty and I I can see that eight as kind of a number that they've settled on. I think your quote about the standard, your, 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 your stat about the standard deviation is, is really indicative, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised to see this team win five games. I wouldn't be surprised to see this team step up and win 10 or 11 games, to be honest with you. If Stanford does end up winning 10, 11 games, winning the PAC 12 North, uh, back in the championship game, one of the two, one or two best teams in the conference. What do you think will need to have gone right for them along the way? What kind of breaks do you think they, they will need to have caught in order to get to that point? I'm not sure if we call this a break, but I, I think I would say it would be that almost all of the question marks on defense for them broke their way. And I think you have to start 
on the defensive line where there are just not a lot of really known and established quantities who are going to have to do the job up front for this team to be what I think it wants to be. Um, they've lost over the last two years. They've lost uh, Solomon Thomas, and then they lost this past year. Obviously, they lose Harrison Phillips, both guys to the NFL. And the guys stepping up do not have the performance pedigree or really the recruiting pedigree that those two dudes, that those two guys had. And so it's not to say that Stanford can't put together a solid defense, but presuming that they will is, is really dubious. I would say if things break right, it's because an incredibly talented offense played up to what it was supposed to be. Obviously it would mean they got the injury breaks or lack of injury breaks that, that, that any team needs. And I would say it's because the defense maxed out its potential this year. Um, I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. This, this team's going to score. The question is just, how well can they stop the other team from doing so? RJ Abadia covers Stanford football and basketball for thebootleg.com. You can find him on Twitter at RJ underscore Abadia. Thanks, RJ. No problem. Thank you, Connor. How does a team that finished 7-6 and six a year ago make it to number 13 in our summer top 25? The short answer is belief in the power of Will Greer. For a more complete picture, however, we talk now with Chris Anderson, who covers West Virginia for Ear Sports. Chris, we've got the Mountaineers checking in at number 13, but our voters had them as high as 10th on two ballots and as low as 24th. Any theories on why people seem to have such a hard time pinning down this West Virginia team? Uh, first off, the variation makes absolute sense when you look at this team. Um, when you look at the starters and you look at the key pieces, it is a potential top 10 team, a potential, you know, uh, big 12 title contender here. Uh, but then outside of those key players, outside of those starters, there's really nothing. Uh, it's a lot of inexperience, a lot of question marks. So if there are a couple key injuries, uh, a couple guys that, you know, need to breathers later in the year, things could go downhill fast. And we saw it last year with West Virginia when Will Greer went down with the broken finger and suddenly West Virginia went from a top five offense nationally to absolutely, I hate to say the word, incompetent, uh, but they just could not move the ball. Lately, a thing that I've learned in kind of figuring out where to rank teams is having that senior quarterback with a lot of experience who's really good can kind of trump a lot of other things. Is there some kind of hope that he can kind of kick on and maybe even hit another level from what he's done and maybe even become a Heisman contender? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been looking at this over uh, over the off season and looking back at the quarterbacks in Dana Holgerson's system, uh, specifically guys who are two year multi year starters, and and really at West Virginia, that's only been Geno Smith and Skylar Howard, and for Geno and Skylar their passer ratings increased by double digits in their second year in the offense. The offense increased by several points in total team offense with the quarterback entering his second year. So if you take a look and, and you just assume that maybe Will Greer could do that too, he had a, a passer rating of 162. So you don't jump that double digits. All of a sudden he's in the 70s, which is near, you know, Baker Mayfield kind of set the bar way past everybody else. But other than that, 170s is, is going to lead the nation every single year. And the West Virginia offense was top five before he got hurt. 
So now you're talking about a quarterback in the 170s passer rating, throwing for 40-some touchdowns and leading the nation's top offense. One, Heisman talk has to be there. Two, you would have to think that the team is going to be very good and double digits, uh, double-digit wins is certainly in the picture. Uh, we talked about how outside of some star players, there's really you're not really sure what you have on this West Virginia roster. Who are some players that you've got an eye on? Maybe it's a hunch, whatever it is, that guys that, you know, whether it's because of injury or inexperience or maybe they even just signed this offseason that could maybe step up and become a name that people outside of diehard West Virginia fans are a little bit more familiar with. Uh, I think first you want to look in the backfield. West Virginia, Justin Crawford, who was uh, been a starter, ran for over a thousand yards each of the past two seasons, uh, and and in will step Kennedy McCoy. Outside of Morgantown, people are going to say who, but he's averaged near six to seven yards per carry as a backup the last two seasons. Stepped in as basically a wildcat quarterback against Oklahoma after Will Greer went down and ran for 140 yards and three touchdowns in that role. So I, yeah, I'm very interested to see how he handles essentially a full workload now, getting his first real shot as a starter. Um, and another little side note on offense would be T.J. Simmons, transfer from Alabama. He had to sit out last season, but is expected to be maybe the third option at wide receiver behind Blitnikoff Award finalist David Sills and 1,000-yard receiver last season Gary Jennings. But even the third receiver in last year's offense total right at a thousand yards so i think you could see simmons reach that number as well uh on defense i think everybody knows of david long the linebacker uh pro football focuses highest graded returning linebacker in the country uh but there's question marks everywhere else and and the staff may have plugged some of those holes especially on defensive lines with grad transfer kenny bigelow from southern cal former five-star recruit and jabril robinson from clemson who our clemson insiders told me would have started essentially every other school in the country if he wasn't sitting behind two future first-round NFL picks uh, down there in Clemson. So he's going to come, and those two guys could fill some massive holes on the defensive line. South Point Casino has the over-under on West Virginia's regular season win total at seven. Based on what we know right now in late June, would you be inclined to take the over or the under there? I would take the over. Uh, you know, I, I think this team, assuming it stays healthy, is a 10-win type team. Uh, they got the pieces. They got the starters. They have the quarterback, as you mentioned, I think is just when you have a quarterback that is that good, it can make up for a lot of faults elsewhere. And Will Greer is that good. If the Mountaineers do end up winning 10, 11 games even, and they are competing for a Big 12 title, a spot in the Big 12 title game in the second half of November, what do you think will have gone right for them? What kind of breaks do you think they will need to have gotten along the way in order to hit the upper end of their potential? I think the number one on the list, I've mentioned a couple of times already, is they've essentially gone injury-free to get to that point right there. Um, And second, they have found another cornerback because right now the cornerback depth chart is decimated. There are only five, I think another one returns. So six scholarship corners on the entire roster. Only one Hakeem Bailey has actually seen um, meaningful snaps at the FBS level. Uh, Now they're hoping they could uh, mine something from Keith Washington, who's a bounce back from Michigan uh, and maybe Josh Norwood, who's kind of got some safety looks, maybe some corner looks, a bounce back from Ohio State. 
but really they're and they're hoping for a late grad transfer. But right now they don't have a second cornerback who has stepped up opposite Hakeem Bailey, which obviously in the Big 12 is a very bad thing. Uh, so if they're going to be a successful double-digit Big 12 title contender, they have to find that second corner. Chris Anderson is the publisher of Earsports.com. You can find him on Twitter at CMAnderson247. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me on. The Morning Blitz is a daily podcast that gives you all the college football news you need in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your podcast receptacle of choice. For each installment of the Summer Top 25, there is a companion article over on 247sports.com with additional commentary and analysis that you did not get on the podcast. Next up on the countdown are the number 12 Auburn Tigers.